InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Roy Mackey. The Me Too movement has gripped America for many months. How have corporations reacted to the fight against sexual harassment and inappropriate conduct? InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco is here with a look. Gina? Thanks, Roy. Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, and other rich and famous men are brought down in very public sex scandals. Since then, about one in three employees say their companies have taken new steps to prevent and address sexual harassment at work. That's from a new study conducted for the American Psychological Association's Center for Organizational Excellence. Dr. David Ballard, the center's director, joins us now with more. Doctor, you've called that one out of three figure disappointing in light of the big Me Too movement that grew from those scandals. You say corporate response has not been meaningful. What was the most common action that companies took? Well, as you mentioned, unfortunately, not that many employers have taken real significant actions since the increased conversations have started around this issue. When things are being done in workplaces, the most common is simply to remind employees of the existing training and resources they already have in place. And unfortunately, we know that those existing trainings that are often designed to check the box, they really serve as more of a compliance-based approach to limit the liability of the employer that those approaches don't tend to be effective. 11% of your study said that their companies required workers to take additional sexual harassment training, and I saw that 8% said their companies put more stringent policies in place. Why do you believe that companies are not more proactive? Well, this is a difficult issue, and it's one that's existed for decades and has not yet been addressed in a way that is likely to result in significant behavior changes. Having a good policy in place, putting more stringent and more rigorous kinds of requirements in place, that may be a good starting point, but we know it's unlikely to change behavior in the long run. Instead, we really need to have comprehensive approaches taken in the workplace that incorporate fair policies, clear communication, ongoing training rather than a one-off training for new hires or the once-a-year reminder that many of us have to do. Leadership needs to support a civil and respectful culture, and we need to hire and promote more women into senior leadership roles. Now, let's talk about that respectful culture. Now, as an expert in psychology, how does a company achieve that, particularly when some staffers will simply say, hey, this is who I am? Yeah, the culture plays an important role because all of these behaviors, sexual harassment, other inappropriate behaviors, they all occur in the broader organizational context. And if the context is one that tolerates behavior where people are not respectful to each other, it's not an open, transparent environment, that's the kind of environment where more serious behaviors are likely to occur. So a good starting point is to model those behaviors that you want to see in your workforce from the top. The leaders need to walk the talk themselves. And you said that employees felt freer to report and act upon sexual harassment issues if there were women in senior leadership at their workplaces. Can you flesh that out for us? Give us some figures on that. Sure. The survey did find that when women are in leadership roles and senior roles in an organization, there are some differences. So seven out of 10 U.S. workers said that their employer has women in senior leadership positions, and just over half said that women are equally represented in leadership roles. And according to employees, according to U.S. workers, when women have equal representation in upper management, those organizations were almost twice as likely to have taken new steps to prevent and address sexual harassment, and employees and organizations with women at the top said they were more likely to report harassment at work if they experienced it. That's 56% or witnessed it, 55%. 
or more likely to confront a coworker if they see that individual engaging in inappropriate behavior at work. And we know that in organizations where there are big hierarchies, there are big power differentials, where men are in all the senior roles, and then there's a big power structure in place, that those are organizations where inappropriate sexual behavior and activities are likely to occur. The more you have equal representation of the top, a diverse leadership that represents the workforce, the more likely people feel comfortable to raise issues and more likely that the organization is attuned to them in the first place. We're visiting with Dr. David Ballard, director of the American Psychological Association's Center for Organizational Excellence. Their new study gauged whether the Me Too movement drove lots of companies to beef up efforts to fight sexual harassment. Doctor, employees in your study report making their own changes as well. 22% say they've been more careful of what they do or say at work. Can we go so far as to say that there's been a deeper understanding of what constitutes sexual harassment? since the Me Too movement. Well, certainly what we can say is people continue to pay attention to it. Fortunately, this is not an issue that arose in the news coverage and in the discussions and then quickly faded away. One of the benefits is that we are continuing to have this conversation, and it is good to see that at an individual level, people seem to be attuned to it, so people are more aware. Now what we need to see is the institutions themselves, the organizations themselves, make a concerted effort to actually address these issues. This is a big opportunity to make a difference in the workplace, and we can really take advantage of it, but it has to be done in a comprehensive way. Are there enough resources for companies to create programs to fight sexual harassment, and do companies really know how to find them? That's a good question, and it's certainly a challenge because most organizations simply do take that check-the-box approach. They're trying to cover their risk, and companies, frankly, spend a lot of resources on it. So I think it's not so much of not having enough resources or not having the resources, but not putting them in the right place. If all of the effort is purely focused on reducing legal liability of the organization so they can say, yes, we have a policy, yes, we did the required training, they're spending a lot of resources that are aren't getting the biggest impact that they might otherwise get. Organizations would be better off thinking more strategically and, yes, meeting requirements, but taking those broader steps to make sure that the culture itself, that the organization itself is really treating people respectfully, that it's an inclusive environment where people feel safe to come to work and they feel safe to raise issues when something actually does occur. That's a piece that's often missing in sexual harassment training and policies is bystander issues that an effective approach is to also work with people who might be observing this kind of behavior so that they feel empowered to raise the issue if they see it. It shouldn't fall solely on the individual who is subject to the harassment or the inappropriate behavior. We should all be in this together creating a safe, supportive environment for everybody. All of which really begs the question if many companies understand the benefits of fighting sexual harassment, or do they think the costs or potential downsides outweigh the benefits of rooting out harassment? I think in most cases, they're simply trying to avoid negative consequences or avoid the cost, rather than thinking about it as a way to create a healthy, high-performing work environment. So there's a difference. If your goal is to simply avoid risk and avoid potential penalties, that's really selling short what's possible in the workplace. We should be striving for better than that, striving for an environment that's safe, that's conducive to good, effective work, and where people can come and be at their best. That's good for employees, but that's good 
good for organizations, too. Do you believe the government should require companies to take more extensive efforts to prevent sexual harassment? Well, this is one of the issues where certainly there needs to be some baseline level requirement, just like other safety issues in the workplace. There need to be things in place to ensure that a minimum standard is met. But beyond that, it's difficult to require an organization to take these broader efforts and to really address the cultural aspects because it isn't a cookie-cutter approach. It varies one organization to the next. So I think having a minimum standard to make sure that there are at least sufficient resources in place and and that the necessary steps are taken. But beyond that, it's really on all of us to create an environment where we can do it at the best. Dr. David Ballard, Director of the American Psychological Association's Center for Organizational Excellence, thank you for joining us. Thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.